Hello and welcome to Bills From Afar podcast. You're with me, Tim Rudge, and my co-host, Charlie. Charlie, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. It's uh, another week closer to the start of pre-season, so it feels that, yeah, this off-season's not been so bad. But um, yeah, it's a bit of the, this is the dead period, isn't it? There's nothing happening. Everyone's on their, their holidays and um, yeah, it's nothing to read, no news really, Not certainly not Bills relevant. Um, did have a weird, weird day on Tuesday, Came within a couple of feet of, of Russell Wilson in London, which was a bit of a surprise. Heard that he was in uh, going to be on Carbon, Carnaby Street. It happened to be in London that day, and uh, I was just around the corner meeting a friend. And um, yeah, he was doing a sort of signing at New Era store. Um, I thought I'd get in the queue just to see if uh, maybe get a chance to meet him, give him a bit of a go bills, give him a bit of a bit of a, a bit of flack. But uh, after 45 minutes of standing there in the queue, not moving at all, I thought, no, forget this. I'm not that bothered. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, that was my only NFL experience this week. How are you doing? Yeah, no, good. Thanks. That all sounds good. And uh, as you say, you know, is that dead zone? I don't know about you, but I've not listened to uh, much bills and NFL content at all. You know, it's, it's really quiet at the moment uh, in, in the new cycle of the NFL. And um, to be fair, after the draft and the initial fallout of, I don't know, it always feels like there's a bit of news after the draft as well with free agent signings and that type of thing still happening. Now there's just nothing going yeah. on. And I feel a little bit uh, um, not disinterested. That's not the right word. Um, just like not engaged at all with anything that's really going on other than the Twitter updates. There isn't anything to, you know, talk about, is there really? And we all need a break, I think, from time to time. It's good to, you know, just reset, isn't it? And uh, yeah. take it easy. I do have a bit of American football kind of action happening this weekend. I'm going to see Berkshire Renegades on Sunday who are playing East Kent Mavericks. So it'll be my first time going to see a bit of amateur um, yeah, American football here in the UK. So I'd be interested to see how that works out. So if anyone else is going, give me a shout. I should be wearing something Bills related, I imagine. So <laughs> come and say hello. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, see what that's like. If anyone in this who listens to this actually goes and speaks to you, I would be <laughs> amazed, astonished. You never know. That'd you be. Know, it's possible. I'd be. Yeah, just completely impressed if that actually happened. The chances are remote. I mean, firstly, there <laughs> are very few Bills, far, any, Bills fans anywhere nearby. Secondly, very even fewer that are likely to be going to this. So, yeah. <laughs> but what did we'll you see. say? One of was it the Texans playoff meet that happened in 2019? Um, was that the first or 2020? It was 2019 season. Was that the? You said that was the first time you'd actually met a Bills fan in the UK. Yeah, like, it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so first time in person. That, yeah. If, if there was, if you were to randomly stumble across another Bills fan at this, uh, was it Reading Renegades, did you say? Yeah, Reading Renegades. It's going to be at University of Reading Sports Park. Uh, nice. The kickoff's at 2pm on Sunday afternoon. So what's interesting, though, is it only runs for two and a half hours. So I'm not quite sure how that works. I mean, it seems a lot shorter than what we normally get exposed to from the NFL. I guess it's uh, they, <laughs> maybe they take a little bit less time over the, uh, the changeovers and stuff. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm kind of fascinated to see what kind of level it is. And yeah. I mean, if it's rubbish, I'll probably uh, I'll probably head on home. But um, <laughs> worth a try. Maybe take your jersey and bits as a backup, just in case if you know someone uh, is short of players and they need you on there, Charlie. I think them needing me is incredibly remote. I mean, I can barely uh, stumble around my living room, let alone run around on a football field. What so. would you pick though if they actually turned around and said we do need a player? You know, well, we see you with 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 the jersey on and the hat and all that kind of stuff. We think that you know, where, where would you play? Where would I play? That's a really good question. You know, it's funny that you say this because I actually was offered the chance when I was a teenager to come play some um, 
some football. And I knew though that when the sort of the players that went in initially, they were mostly playing cornerback. And because I was naive and I didn't really know the value of cornerback, I was like, oh, I'm not interested. I'll only, I'll only play if I'm playing wide receiver. And um, so I didn't go. And of course now cornerback's one of my favorite positions and I feel like an idiot. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I quite like, I think I quite like to be a safety. I think um, I could, you know, I'm not, I, when I used to play rugby, I wasn't a bad tackler. Um, not, not very quick though. That's the problem. <laughs> Where can I hide my lack of pace? <laughs> fullback maybe. Not really big enough to be a fullback. Uh, it's fair to say that there's no NFL archetype for which my body fits. That's, uh, I think that's the best way of looking at it. <laughs> oh, good uh, stuff. No one's going to come in measuring my hands or uh, you know my <laughs> my my, my three cone drill. <laughs> <laughs> so what oh. we got what we got happening to this week then uh, interesting and a fun show i think yeah um we kind of teased the idea uh, during a season last season um we we're just talking about food in one of them i can't remember what episode it was and we talked about doing a food episode and this is it so we've got a good friend of ours uh, scott barge who's another uk bills fan coming on he is an exec chef um at a hotel well, you've been yeah. there, haven't you? I have, yeah. I've been there several times before I even met Scott. So it's a quite a fancy hotel in Cumbria. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I've eaten in the restaurant many times. It probably made me some food at some point. But um, yeah, we never actually met in that context. We have met subsequently. But um, yeah, Scott's a great guy, a very talented chef. And um, yeah, he's he's the sort of guy that if, if we need culinary advice on smoking you know, wings or, um, I don't know, pulled pork or something like that, then we would yeah. go to Scott. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we know through Scott that uh, he's um, got a good connection with Anthony Marino off Buffalo Rumblings, and they regularly DM about barbecue ideas. Uh, I think Anthony himself is like a self-confessed uh, barbecue enthusiast, so he's going to be joining us too. To uh, and we'll just have a roundtable talk about wings and just the buffalo whole food, yeah. buffalo food culture and all of that kind of thing. So no, it's an exciting episode. So yeah, this is okay. it. Welcome back. So we are joined by Scott Barge and Anthony Marino. Um, hi, guys. Thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. Great no to be worries. with you guys. Good stuff. So we talked in the uh, during the season about doing a food episode, and we thought that you guys coming on would be a good idea. So um, just to, like give us a little introduction about yourselves, like and how you two um, became, you know, chatted over online about. Um, you know, the food and the smokers and barbecue food, just how that connection came. So if we start with Scott first, about your background. So I'm an executive chef based up in the Lake District. Uh, so food is my life. Uh, barbecue food kind of grown over the last about nine to 10 years, probably. Uh, I would like to say that, you know, Anthony touched base on Twitter in terms of a noob that needed help. Uh, and I kind of answered the call when it eventually came in and tried to give my guidance where I can. You know, I'm not saying I am the original Grills Mafia, but I'd like to say I, <laughs> I contributed a little bit at least. And listen, as it, at least as it comes to me, Scott, you are the Grills Mafia because <laughs> I think it was one of those pieces. I got a, a, a smoker a couple years back and it was just like, OK, I've got this. I've got some cookbook that came with it that my father-in-law gave me. And it was just like, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing. And just innocently put something out there on Twitter. Scott was the first person to reach out. He was also, uh, as he says, an executive chef. 
So the fact that I'm even on the show today to talk, you know, with Scott and it's like, hey, you know, two guys talking about food and this and that. And you've got Scott, the executive chef and Anthony, who the first time that he did like ribs on his smoker, they were like <laughs> burnt to a crisp in 90 minutes. But, you know, other than that, I'm, I'm glad to be with you guys. And, and honestly, to connect, it's uh, a lot of fun. Good stuff. Um so was it through a bad experience, Anthony? Like, did you get the smoke and then you tried something and it didn't work? And at that point, you seek guidance on Twitter? Or um, was it just initially you bought it and you're like, hey, I'm excited. What do I do with this kind of thing? So it's a little bit more involved than that. It was one of those pieces where not too long ago, I was at a friend's house. He has a big green egg. And I was just like, okay, I'd love to, to eat barbecue. I mean, all my grilling experience before, some with charcoal, but, you know, kind of your gas Weber type of grill things and that's fine but it was like oh man I would love to to get a smoker at some point and I'm having a conversation with my father-in-law and he's like oh I played in this alumni golf event and I, he goes I won one there was a raffle he's like it's been sitting in the box in in my garage and it's like you know just a typical bullet smoker nothing crazy that you would see but he's like why don't you take it and I was like all right well maybe I can get started with this just to see if I can figure this out a bit, right? Because then all of a sudden you start to think, oh my gosh, this can really be overwhelming. And like anything, you start to look online and things really got overwhelming. And that Twitter community though, right? That Bill's Twitter community, you'd hear guys talking about smoking all the time before. So I was like, well, let me just put something out there and see who comes back. And, you know, immediately, you know, things start to fill in and you get a bunch of people with just like a million questions where you almost want to say like, okay, time out. I, I don't even know where I'm starting yet. And, and that's where Scott jumped in. And I think like his early advice was just like, you know, you're going to screw up or just, you know, try this, like, don't overthink it. And it was like, okay, here we go. So that's kind of how I got started. So it wasn't really from a bad experience. But also that, like, you know, I'm a husband, I've got three kids at home, like, you know, if you're cooking dinner, you want to have it be edible, not where you're calling out to order a pizza <laughs> shortly after, which, you know, was that initial fear, because usually on the gas grill, it's like, oh, yeah, I can whip up whatever, that's no big deal. But this was a lot different. And uh, I am extremely grateful to Scott, because he answered every question I had. And in the meantime, he sends me pictures of the different things that he's cooking and it's like okay now i'm incredibly jealous but that was really how it got started and been having fun ever since yeah nice stuff so scott you call yourself grills mafia or the self-proclaimed grills mafia <laughs> i know you've got a number of smokers quite how many have you got uh so well in terms of barbecues anything could be a smoker it doesn't have to be like anthony said a big elaborate. So I've got two bullet barbecues. I've got a ceramic barbecue, a standard Weber 57 centimeter kettle barbecue, uh, and then recently purchased a wood fired um, pizza oven. So again, you can cook anything on there as well. It's not just pizzas. Ah, nice. Well, that trumps me. I've only got a Weber myself. What about you, Charlie? What have you got? Uh, uh, good question. <laughs> I, have, I have something without brand that's been in the garage for about three years and it hasn't been touched. I do have a fire pit, which you can put a grill on top of it and I'll do a little bit, you know, things like that on it, but, but nothing eventually. This is a whole learning experience for me. I mean, the whole barbecue thing is fascinating. As you said, Scott, it's completely exploded. 
and there's actually I live in a really small village in in the south of England and in three minutes from my front door a new barbecue place has opened up uh, really legit this guy has had these custom-made smokers installed all the way from Oklahoma and now I can get wings with Frank's hot sauce three minutes from my front door and I'm like this is going to revolutionize my uh, game day experience <laughs> I can go and get some legit wings very jealous so before we really deep dive into the food then um just a little bit background especially scott you know you say you're an exec chef you you work at a hotel in cumbria the lake district um how did you become a bills fan and anthony just tell us everyone knows you anthony marino from buffalo rumblings but just give a bit of background about yourself as well so start with scott so for me it's very similar to a couple of the guys that you've had on previously so it probably started the american football side first so probably 13 14 kind of year uh discount code got into madden on playstation uh coming into year 2014 2015 decided i need to pick a team um so looked in a couple of teams had a short list as it were uh eventually you know the love of new york is kind of what pushed me so even in the early days i was on the only one team in new york bandwagon uh which kind of put me <laughs> towards the bills you know i'm a Aston Villa fan in uh, English football so success isn't something that I thrive on and so (laughs) the bills kind of made sense and then you know I was lucky enough that 2015 they came over so I got to see them pretty early into my fandom and yeah I've been hooked ever since I guess you could say. Yeah for me I, I grew up in Rochester New York which is just about an hour outside of Buffalo and you know growing up early on I mean football would always be something we'd have in the house you know when I was eight, nine, 10 years old on Sundays, but I wasn't really into it, right? I was much more of a baseball fan at the time. And then as I did get a little older, probably to around 12 years old, right? You started to see with the Bills to gain a little bit of traction, right? They gain, or they draft Bruce Smith. Uh, All of a sudden, then Jim Kelly's come in. I remember watching the draft of Thurman Thomas sitting on his couch, waiting to be picked and just feeling sympathetic, right? Not knowing anything about him as a college football player, and then the Bills selected him, and here all of a sudden you felt this uh, this sense of affinity towards this guy, right, going through this tough moment, waiting for the phone to ring, and then he ended up joining the Bills. So, you know, for me, I always have fond memories with, uh, you know, my parents, like that's what we would do on Sunday afternoons, right? We'd, we'd sit and we'd watch the Buffalo Bills, and then just kind of that fandom just stuck with me for all the good years and the bad and uh you know kind of here i am today fantastic yeah so similar era for me uh, watching jim kelly thurman thomas in the uh yeah in the super bowl years um i was always rooting for the underdog and so the bills were always the underdog going into those super bowls and that's how i got i got hooked in so let's, let's dig into this uh the buffalo food experience i've been to buffalo once i'm expecting to go again this year um uh, so I haven't, you know, I've had some some wings downtown, but I've not really fully absorbed the kind of the the full spectrum of what you might consider to be the Buffalo Bills food experience. And Nancy, I wonder, like, what do you consider to be you know, that Buffalo food thing? I mean, it seems to be a part of the the, the world that is really um, proud of its food, um, has really good food, but everybody says everything's a little different in Buffalo. What's your take on it? What do you consider to be in in that realm of the Bills food experience? Yeah, when you talk about the the staples, I mean, of course, it starts with the wings, right? And I was traveling to Buffalo earlier this week, and anytime I get to go out, it's just like, okay, literally where I'm going to stay kind of ties towards 
where can I get some decent food? And there's so many different spots that go with it, but you just think to yourself like, okay, where's a spot where I can get some good wings? And I say that from a, I know some folks, if you're traveling from out of town, they're like, oh my God, anything you can get in Buffalo is gonna be better than what I get here in Albany. So it's almost like pick a spot and you'll be fine. But then you get a little bit, you know, if you're on Twitter, people get pretty uh, passionate about their takes to to say the least. And it used to be in years past, I would book my hotel near a Duff's Wings just because it was like, I know what I'm going to get here. It's gonna be fantastic, it's gonna be good. Yes, people might argue that it's not as good as this or that, but it's like, listen, in the last six months, it's 20 times better than, than what I've had. Um, this last time out, I did go to um, Macy's Pizza Pizzeria which is a favorite of uh, Nate Geary from WGR, um, Marcel Luis Jacques from when he was in Buffalo for ESPN, and uh, Pat Moran talks about it a lot. So, you know, but for me, it's like you go to these places and they have all these different flavor sauces and all this. Like, listen, I am just going, you know, Frank's like a, a, a hot Buffalo style wing for myself with some good blue cheese and, and I'm all set. And right, that's kind right. of the staple, right? If I live there 365 days a year, yeah, maybe I get a little more adventurous with what I'm doing. But when you don't get there too often, it's like you, you know, you go towards towards the specialty, right? Towards the like classics, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's that. Of course, the beef on Weck, a, a favorite where, you know, even as I was a kid growing up, I, I thought it was a little, when I say overrated, I don't mean that in a bad way. Like just, you know, I was like nine, 10 years old, right? It wasn't what I was used to in a in a roast beef sandwich. And then you go back and you have it and you're just like, it just hits a little bit different as a um as an adult, I guess. So yeah, you know, I went with my my youngest daughter. We went to the Jets game in week 18 it is now, earlier this year. And really even just to do that experience with her where she's like, oh my gosh, these are the best chicken wings I've ever had in my life. And introducing her to beef on wick and we, you know, ordered from Jim's Steakout, just some of the lo local staples, got subs before the game at Wegmans to bring to the tailgate. So, you know, when you talk about it, it's, uh, you know, I'm not as authentic as some of those locals, but those are the things that always stand out to me. So tell me a bit more about this Buffalo pizza. How's it different than, you know, is it, is it the thin and crispy? Is it the deep dish? What, what sort of style is, is a Buffalo pizza? What makes it different? Yeah, the thing that always stands out with the pizza for me in Buffalo is kind of the, the cupped and charred pepperoni, right? Uh, so a lot of times when you get a pepperoni pizza in other places, it's just that like just regular flat that, yeah, pepperoni, mm -hmm. right? And you kind of get the char on the pepperoni in Buffalo. It's sort of that staple that stands out to me and, you know, kind of like forms a, a cup where, I mean, it's not sounds kind of gross but like no the, i know what you mean the grease it's crispy stays, yeah it's crispy stays yeah, in it yeah. and uh you know even when i went to macy's the other day it was like all right let me get two slices of pepperoni to to go with this you know a little bit of a fat boy moment for me but it was just <laughs> like all right i'm not going to be back for some time um so for me that's always the piece that that really differentiates it right and sometimes you see those pictures online and it's it's hard to describe but that's the thing that always screams Buffalo style pizza to me. Awesome. And Scott, are you a particular passion for any of this sort of traditional Buffalo food? I mean, you a big fan of wings and that kind of stuff, or uh, what would you what would you typically think of as football food? Yeah, so obviously, you know, you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you've got to at least attempt the wings in the UK. Uh, I don't know if it's just me, but I find that the American wings are just bigger. 
everything yes. in America. So, you, know, <laughs> you, you try and replicate the same thing in the UK to America and you, you don't necessarily get the, the same results as what you would over there. Uh, pizza, beef brisket, pulled pork, ribs, burgers. Yeah, I just, I just like junk food. <laughs> and is there anywhere scott you've been to in the uk where you think that's that, that's pretty legit when it comes to wings like i say it's pretty hard so i've heard the orangery in london's that that's pretty decent apparently. Orange, orange buffalo yeah orange yeah that's buffalo, quite yeah. good mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the ones at the fits were actually pretty decent to be fair as well yeah that's right yeah so anthony we have a we have a pub here in london uh where bills mafia get together to watch uh, watch games together and um yeah we've got a good relationship with those guys and they do yeah pretty legit wings um just for us which is uh which, which is nice tell anthony one of the things i've always been intrigued by is this uh, this concept of a garbage plate is that something you would ever touch do you ever eat that kind of thing it's actually for, for newbies tell us what a garbage plate is right <laughs> Sure. So a garbage plate, and that really originated in Rochester, where I grew up, right? And one of those spots are called Nick Tahoe's is the, the home of the garbage plate. And they would have two locations in Rochester. And obviously, since their popularity started, it's something that has you know, been adopted in, in other areas throughout Rochester and Buffalo and, and even, you know, some other parts of upstate New York. And really you you know you go to this spot and there's kind of this this menu so you know your base is your choice of two of either like french fries home fries macaroni salad or baked beans and then on top of it is your protein so you know you get like two cheeseburger patties or two hot dogs you know nothing in a bun just on top of this plate with a heaping handful of uh, of chopped up onions and uh, and when I say like a hot sauce, not like a not like a Frank's hot sauce, but like a like a meaty hot sauce on top of it covered. They give you like a side of a loaf of bread and you just sit down. And I think it, I think someone said it's like thirty five hundred calories or something ridiculous <laughs> like like that. But, uh, you know, for a lot, if you've uh, you know, if you've been out for the night, that's a, a place to to go to at the the end of the day. Um, but they, at the time they were open 24 hours a day. So that's the garbage plate. And, you know, when you go through it, it's been a few years since I've had one. I was talking with my wife saying at some point, maybe we should try to do it at home. But then you even think to yourself, like, it's, it's just not going to be the same, right? Like, why, why would you even bother with that? But for me growing up, it would be, um, it would be home fries, macaroni salad with cheeseburger patties on top. The onions in the hot sauce, they give you a bottle of ketchup and mustard. You just sort of put it all over the top and you just use that yeah. bread to soak it all up and just and just go for it. Sounds great hangover food. It's kind of uh, or yeah, great drunk food. It's sort of stuff you've when you've had a few drinks, then you think, oh, this sounds like a great idea and you sit there until you fall asleep, <laughs> much in a way. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. So Scott, what do you do you have uh, any particular traditions with regards to like, game day food? Do you ever um, make any any anything in particular for watching the Bills? So up until probably about two years ago, my Sundays were very lame, you know, six o'clock, young family, it was always roast dinner. So like trying to watch the game on my phone behind the gravy, then I'd kind of pause it as it got to the second quarter, run upstairs, get the kids to bed, and then you can kind of miss the adverts, miss halftime, and I'd just about catch up in the third quarter and jump back into the group chat and see what's been going on. Uh, but no, so like barbecue food, big food, like, you know, special occasions, Super Bowl, get the guys around. Like I say, just a, I guess it's your 
your own homemade garbage plates. It's everything you can think of, whacked into a platter and just, just dig in. Yeah. Absolutely. And anything you'd be drinking and any particular beer to go with all I, that? I, I'm not a beer guy. I'm a, I'm a cider drinker. Uh, so, yeah, any cider. I, I like it. The, the stronger, the least sweet, the better. Got it. An, an authentic scrumpig would be my choice. And, and Anthony, when, if you're not going to a game, I mean, what do you do? Do you uh, have a particular sort of tradition in terms of food, drinking, um, sitting down at a particular time? Do the family watch it? How does that work out? What's your normal game day like? Well, and for us, right, the game's been at one o'clock in the afternoon, at least for a long time. You could bank on the Bills playing at one o'clock. Right? Yeah. There was there was no prime time to be discussed or anything like that. And and I know for you gentlemen, the, those primetime games here in the They're States rough. are, are <laughs> Challenging. really rough to, uh, to say for, for you. But, you know, really for a number of years, my wife and her family lived locally and they would just have a tradition um, even before we got together. Like, oh, on Sundays, like the family just gets together for, for football. Like that's that's what we do. And uh, it's always nice. Sometimes you might talk to your friends like, oh, yeah, my wife isn't into football. Or we got to do this or they're you know, doing all these things. And it's like, I kind of hit the jackpot of just, uh, you know, the expectation was the family, you know, Sundays were for football and that's what we would do. Now, granted, the the part that makes it less of a jackpot, she's a Patriots fan, her whole family, Ooh. all from Massachusetts, New England. So, you know, when we first got together, the first time I went over there for football, the Bills beat the Patriots 31 to nothing. That was the game where Sam Adams gets to, you know, picks up the fumble, returns it for a touchdown. And it's just like, all right, you know, this is, you know, Drew Bledsoe, you know, before Tom Brady was really Tom Brady. Little did I know it was going to be like, you know, the first 15 years of our marriage or whatever it was of just <laughs> getting absolutely, absolutely slaughtered. But it was it was always a nice tradition. We'd kind of rotate between houses as the kids get a little older with their activities. Sometimes it would be hard to say, oh, everyone could get together. But, you know, when you talk about having young families too, you know, sometimes you're not getting too crazy, maybe doing like a, a pork loin or some straight uh, steak tips, you know, burgers and dogs for the kids if they're not liking what you're what you're pulling together. But, uh, you know, it would always kind of be like a lot of uh a lot of like finger food type of things too. Cause if the games are at one, you know, then the four o'clock games would start maybe not like the big sit down dinner, but just like a, a day of grazing would be, yeah. uh, would be okay. And you know, my beer selection, I'm not too exciting. I'm a Miller light guy or a blue light guy. Um, you know, some get into the IPAs and different things and I might, you know, enjoy those every once in a while. But for me, I'm, I'm kind of a, a basic guy when it when it comes to that and it's uh that works well for me so one final question before i hand back to tim um have you managed to convince your kids to be bills fans or are they on the fence given the, uh, your wife's allegiances yeah it's funny they're they're on the fence so my youngest she's 11 she is a proclaimed bills fan so you know she went to her first game she's all into it um my middle child could care less about football <laughs> in any way shape or form uh, my son early on, you know, the oldest, like he was he was more of a Patriots fan early on. Again, kind of glory days for what they have. Um, he is he is like all about basketball. That is his love of what he really gets into. Um, but he does like Josh Allen, make sure he gets him on his fantasy team, that type of stuff. So, you know, I feel like it's been a a slow, you know, it has nothing to do about dad. It, it has to do right. about like Josh Allen being pretty fantastic and 
you know, having something that, you know, I think if you're going to pull for the bills, you know, has a, a little bit of credibility to it than maybe what there was in the past. So it's it's been okay. Definitely my youngest, you know, and the others, it's fine. And honestly, my wife has converted pretty well too. I mean, she'll tell you if she was on right now, she, well, she'd say like, I only root for the bills because when they win, you're in a much better mood. But, um, when, when he was with Buffalo, um, you know, she, you know, from the first time he started playing, Cole Beasley was a, a favorite of hers, just kind of the, the player that he was on the field, little guy going across the middle. Um, and of course, just like the, the love of Josh Allen and who he is. So, you know, I'm, I'm still working on some things, but it's, it's been, uh, been making some progress. I was going to say, I think the, the pull of Josh Allen is going to mean that many fans will probably, who, who sit on the fence, they'll probably uh, be looking at the bills and be thinking that they're such a, you know, good candidate to uh, support now. So we're digging to the chicken wings then. So as we said, it's like the main staple of Buffalo. Um, so what did our Scott really like? what's the best way to cook for wings and you know this could be something that you do yourself like do you have a particular recipe that you follow and you use a particular smoker and then just for an everyday novice as like a weber or um just you know any, any standard barbecue really like what, what's the two types of ways of cooking wings that, that's the best in your mind so i'll probably say at the moment you've probably got three ways of cooking wings so the way i would normally go would be deep fried so equal parts, corn flour, flour, mix up your chicken wings, get them in the fryer, cook them on about 140 Celsius, which is about, I had that somewhere, uh, 280 Fahrenheit. Uh, cook it to about 161 Fahrenheit internal. Uh, and then take them out, turn the fryer up to about 180, so about 370 Fahrenheit. And then re-toss them in flour, deep fry them again, so you get double crispiness uh, cooked all the way through. Uh, is how I would go. Uh, you can get something called a vortex, which you can put on the barbecue. So it's kind of like, it's like it's like a jet-powered engine for your barbecue. So it, it's a metal dish, fill the middle full of coal, get it as hot as you possibly can. So it kind of throws the flame away from the outside. So you put your wings around the outside, heat gets all the way around it, but it doesn't burn them. Really, really crispy, really, really quick, great flavor. Uh, more unconventional, more on the scene at the moment, would be a, an air fryer. I haven't actually done it myself, but I'm hearing great reviews that it's it's the way forward. Say a quick Google, and it, you know, it's on the Frank's website as a way of cooking wings. So I haven't done it myself, but I'm sure one day I will give it a go. Yeah, yeah. God, I, thought I, I, just, I was just yeah. going to say, I just got an air fryer. The kids got me one for Father's Day. And because uh, so you're giving me advice now, <laughs> I haven't tried it yet. I mean, literally got it two weeks ago, but that was really the thing to just say, like, OK, to try and do wings here. Like if this is something that we can can get down. So good gosh, the day that you're sending me direct messages for for advice, that's uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Man. And I think the biggest fool fool for an air fryer is I think it's time, isn't it? Like you can cook wings really quickly with an air fryer. Is that right? On the Frank's website, like I say, I haven't done it myself. The Frank's website yeah. says about 20 to 25 minutes. Give it a quick toss every five minutes and it should be golden. So, yeah. And oh. sneak and let us know. <laughs> so, we talked about the buffalo chicken wings and we talked about pizza as well and how the pizza in buffalo is different um, 
then across the rest of the US. So just about the Buffalo wings and versus other cities and states in the US, like what makes a Buffalo chicken wing stand out um, above like any other wing you'd get in the US? So put that to Anthony first, but Charlie, you've had loads of experience traveling in the US as well. So you might be able to weigh in on this. Yeah, and as I look at it, it's there's a consistency that comes with it. And I don't mean like a consistency in the chicken, but I mean just in the way that it's prepared. And it's like every time that you go, again, you can go to numerous different spots and I'm not one of these guys hitting another one, you know, every other day that can tell, oh, this is a whatever, a Macy's chicken wing versus a Duff's versus a Lenovo or whatever it might be. But just a consistency with the cook, like a little bit of a crispiness that comes with it that you don't get in other places. And I think you, you know, go to some other spots and you order wings and it's just, there's no crisp to it at all, right? And you're just thinking to yourself, gosh, like this just doesn't doesn't work in the same in the same fashion as as what you get that's a bit more authentic. So, you know, I think you get to some cities around the Buffalo area, you can get some spots that maybe have some consistency. But uh, I shot a message to a friend the other day that that opened some different franchise restaurants, and I was just like, Duff's has franchises. Like, I don't know what it would take you to open two or three locations in this area, but I have a feeling that if you did, you'd have like lines around the building for days because you just can't get that consistency here. It's hard to describe, but Charlie, I see you shaking your head, so maybe I'm yeah. I'm on point with you. Yeah, I completely agree. And that, the crispiness is important to me. You know, sometimes you go and it's kind of wet and it's, you know, the, the you got to have that crispy skin. Um, yeah. And, you know, I've had wings in a variety of places, Buffalo, obviously, but also I was in North Carolina a couple of weeks ago. I've had them in Texas. And the consistency in the U.S. It, it is it varies dramatically in where you are. Um, the size is pretty consistent. So, Scott, I agree with you. Like They're way bigger than what we get here in the UK. I don't know whether these are sort of monster chickens or what, but um, compared to what what, what I, I, you know, I normally see, you know, in most places, they're, you know, like tw two or three times the size. Um, but the, the crispiness is the thing. And everywhere I went <laughs> in Buffalo, they were pretty much, you know, the same quality, you know, delicious. Obviously, the variety of of, of coatings and sauces that people have on them is, is much much bigger so normally you go all right you can have barbecue you can have you know um frank's hot sauce but it, that, it, you know, the list is pretty short in buffalo it's it, it the variety is is vast it's like a um i don't know it's like a, a part of the culture um which just doesn't exist in other places a lot of places love barbecue they love food but it's just one of the things in buffalo it is the thing and that seems to be um why people take such pride i think in, in making really good crispy uh, crispy chicken wins and i, I think you know to echo your your observations scott i've got a number of friends in western new york area that say you know they swear by the air fryer and it's enabled them to actually make really good wings uh, in their home where perhaps they were struggling before so it seems to be a bit of a revolution yeah and where else in the u.s then like challenges like buffalo like because i've only been to the u.s once i haven't been able to go to buffalo yet that is something that will happen uh, at some stage um 
like where else you said Charlie about North Carolina, like uh, Chicago as well. Is there any other like place like that tries to you know say that they're better? You know they have better wings. On wings, than no, Buffalo? I don't think so. Not on wings. No, I really don't think so. I think uh, places will will go crazy for saying they have the best barbecue. Um, you know, Kansas City will will talk about yeah. that. Texas, Oklahoma, they will all talk about their barbecue, and you know they're all got their merits. But I don't think I think wings specifically, no one's going after that, and that's Buffalo's, and it's both. You know, you can speak, speak to a stranger in a you know in, a, in an airport in I don't know LA or somewhere, and you go well, Bill's house. Let's not talking about wings. You know, they'll talk about <laughs> wings you'll get in, in 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 Buffalo. So it's it's famous for it, and I, I don't see anywhere else challenging for it. I don't know about Anthony, well, whether you agree with that. Well, and I was, and I do agree with it. And and my my question is, and and I guess, is it okay if I ask a question? Because I'm yeah. asking mm-hmm. questions yeah. to you. But like, you know, as the the chef of the group, you know, you would think to yourself, like, okay, there's there's not some secret sauce taking place here in Buffalo. How come this can't be replicated? I don't want to say by by every place, right? Not talking about different chain restaurants, but you would think that somebody in any different city that you mentioned would be able to take something and replicate it to an extent, but it does not seem like anyone truly can outside of that market. That's a, yeah, very good. You know, it's, it's a very simple process. You'd imagine it would be pretty easy to replicate, but Buffalo just, just nails it. I, I don't know. It's maybe something in the, the water or I have no idea. I really can't answer that question. But I, yeah. I think Buffalo cares more. I, I genuinely the think love. that... The, yeah, there's just a love for it. There's a passion for being for making it as good as it can be. It's a good point. It's a real yeah. good point. So, last one about the chicken wings. Then, so everyone sees, especially from our side, you know, across a pond, like we see the interactions on Twitter about blue cheese versus ranch and all of this kind of thing. And I was just gonna say to everyone in the group, like is blue cheese really the only right answer? Like, I know you said, Anthony, when you spoke about the wings, that you go to the blue cheese. Um, is it all blue cheese or nothing for everyone else? Like, I feel like, from my perspective, um, ranch, you know, I don't think it's my cup of tea, but I think there's, like, spicy sauces and, like, you know, barbecue sauces as well that you could probably use as a dip, but... Um, just to put out in a group, really, like, what, what's our views on, on this big debate? Like, you know, Bill's Mafia is really strong about blue cheese. And if you ranch, then I can't remember a few years ago, I feel like one of the players said, or one of the, you know, it could have been the rookies at the time had said that, you know, they would prefer ranch. And I remember all this outcry <laughs> about it, you know, and it blew my mind, really. Like, is blue cheese the only right answer in this for, for Buffalo Wings? So it's I, would, sound like I would say yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, and I would I would say yes for me, right? I mean, to each their own. People should enjoy what they want to. I am never going to put ranch dressing on a traditional buffalo wing. You know, I was at a place once outside of Buffalo, um, out in Cape Cod in Massachusetts, and they served wings. They were not buffalo wings, but like, you know, the chef had like a homemade buttermilk ranch dressing to go with it oh and that was fabulous no it wasn't a traditional buffalo wing right it wasn't with like a a franks or a buffalo sauce or anything along those lines so it's but for me when it comes to buffalo wings it it, it's blue cheese or it's nothing yeah and i'm a nothing guy i mean I'm, i'm fine with blue cheese it's okay definitely not a ranch guy but actually i just like them as they are no need for dipping from my perspective 
<laughs> All right, let's get into these uh, the smokers. Um, this is obviously a passion for you two, and as you heard from me, I'm a complete uh, uh, you know amateur when it comes to even understanding this kind of stuff. I love consuming the food, but I know nothing about it. Um, maybe Scott, you know, why has this become such a popular thing? I mean, even I, I live in a small village in a in a in a very rural area, and not only do I have <laughs> you know, a, a barbecue place with a legit Oklahoma style smoker, three minutes from my front door. In the next two villages along, there are also barbecue places that are very, very decent. What, what What's caused this massive rise? It's a very good question. I mean, for me, it's about, you know, the community, like you say, they're popping up everywhere. Every big city has something that's different. You know, we're not quite as extreme as America with 25 different varieties of barbecue as you know, your Kansas or your Carolina or your Memphis, you know, over here, we're quite straight laced in what barbecue is. We, we, we try and play around a little bit. Um, it's really hard to explain why it's happened. Um, I'm just glad it did. That's all I can say. And, and has it, or from your perspective as a chef, how is it advantageous as a method of cooking? I mean, what, what does, you know, just for people that perhaps are not so familiar, what, what's the big win in, 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 in smoking your, uh, your meats versus uh, cooking them in another way? So primarily it used to be cheap cuts of meat. Uh, so you, you, low and slow. So you're cooking it for long periods of time to tenderize the, the fat and the um, microfibers inside um, to then create a succulent piece of meat uh it's not so cheap anymore shall we say you know some of the the, the briskets you can get imported from america are going to be more expensive than fillet steak at the moment and so it's kind of lost the cheapness but for me it's about the rewarding factor you know you can stand outside all day stoking the fire and just the end reward the, the end result is the reward of doing it all it's it makes it all worthwhile but then you know it's like Anthony said, you know, there's so many times where it goes drastically wrong. <laughs> you well, don't Anthony, want to be... have you had like a favorite uh, smoker experience? You know, one way you just got it absolutely perfectly. What were you cooking? You know, how did it work out? What was the meat? Well, and kind of to Scott's point, right? It's it wasn't the the fanciest or most expensive cut, but like that first pork butt that you just feel like you got right. Mm -hmm. And I say that because the first two times I did it. It was okay, but it was one of those things where dinners at this time, which you can't really do when it comes to smoking, right? Like you <laughs> kind of need to set the expectation that goes with it, um, right? Scott and I would talk about the stall beforehand and realizing that, oh, that's something, you know, very real, right? It's a lot different than what you've done before. And, and you know, right? So like you've got some people over, whatever, you go to shred it. And it, it doesn't shred the way you want it to. And then just remembering that that first pork butt where it's like literally falling apart as you're as you're shredding the meat and you're like, oh, this is what it looks like when I go out. Right. What it's supposed to look like. And it might seem very simple because, you know, again, you can get a pork butt for like. Ten dollars, right, for a eight pound piece of meat like that's that's a pretty good value when you're talking about feeding a family or if you're having some folks over, but you know, everybody loves it and enjoys it. So for me, that was incredibly satisfying as a, a newbie. I, I haven't gotten as adventurous um, as I'd like to, you know, I've talked about doing a turkey at some point, but like, I, you know, say to my wife, like no one's coming over 
because it's just us. <laughs> and if I screw it up, experiment, then, yeah, yeah, then then it's <laughs> fine. But I don't want it to be where you know any of our family members or friends or neighbors are over because you know then you you know you just I'm it's all it's high risk. <laughs> it's totally, it's totally high risk. So you know, and again, you have some of those fails, like I was talking about before. The first time I had the green egg and I went to do ribs. And it was a Friday afternoon during the pandemic. So working from home, it was like, oh, well, this can work. You know, I can put them on the grill. You know, you're doing whatever, the three, two, one method or something, right? Three hours, then wrap them for two hours. I don't even know if I like that method. But my point is, it's like, oh, I'll, I'll get things set. I'll put them on. I'll go back down. I'll do some work. I'll come check on them. You know, go back to check on it. Freaking temperatures spiked you know, up to like 400 degrees, you open it up, the ribs are like char black on the bottom. <laughs> and you're just like, oh my God, that was the first, you know, the first real experiment with it. But again, you, you're you gonna fail. That's what makes it, I think, more satisfying when something, when something hits and it's a better yeah. story, right? Like if you just, <laughs> you know, if you just throw it on a grill and everything comes out perfect, like yeah. it's, you know, oh yeah, you know, dinner's ready in 40 minutes, no big deal. You know, this process is, uh, you can take a little more pride in. Yeah, yeah I mean, if it was easy, then uh, it wouldn't be the same same amount of fun, would it really? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. But technology is again, smoke, you know, slowly creeping into the smoker market. You know, you can get Traegers and electrical controls, but you know, that, that, again, there's no, there's no fun in that. There's no, no fun. And, and I don't use any of those types of things either, right? And And again, Scott, you know, first told me like regulating the temperature is the hardest part. And you think to yourself like, oh, whatever, like that's how difficult can it be? <laughs> well, it can yeah. screw up everything that you're doing. And yeah, some guys will get these fans or regulators or different things. And it's just I I'm just not there with it yet. Maybe it's just like, <laughs> I've, you know, made enough of an investment at this point. But it feels like I would be cheating a little bit. <laughs> Scott, I, I was interested you know, of all the stuff that you've you've cooked, what's your favorite meats to uh, to smoke? Is there a particular cut, particular type of meat? What's your uh, what's your go to if you're uh, yeah if you're really into it? So, so being in Cumbria, you know, we're surrounded by lambs. I, I love smoked lamb. It's not very American in terms of the traditional barbecue. Uh -huh. uh, so okay. you know, and Anthony's asked a couple of times, and he hasn't quite delved into it yet himself. You know, I'm still <laughs> waiting for that smoked lamb picture. But yeah, a nice <laughs> smoked lamb on a flatbread, better tzatziki, a bit of pickled cabbage. You know, the wife loves it. It's fresh. It's summery. It's, oh, yeah, it's And what beautiful. cut are you going for? Are you going like lamb chops? Are you going ribs? What, what are you no, going for? Lamb shoulder on the bone. Keep it nice okay. and moist inside. You know, it, it's going to be a, a good eight to 12 hour cook. So you need to prepare, it, prepare ahead for it. But mm. it's well worth the wait. Yeah, that's the first time I've heard anyone mention about uh, smoking lamb. That actually sounds great. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, on a flatbread, a bit of tzatziki. It's, yeah especially with the summer approaching, but you know, you, you can barbecue in the rain. And that's a complete novice myself. Like I'm, I don't own a smoker. I've never smoked any meat, any cut of meat. Um, it, I assume the longer the better in the smoker makes for a better meat, a better result. Is that absolutely. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So low, low and slow, you want to be talking about 110 degrees Celsius, 225 Fahrenheit for as long as you possibly can. Let the, the muscle and the fat all melt into the meat and yeah it's just you know you need the time for the flavors to develop if you've got any sort of barbecue it doesn't need to be a smoker you know you say did you say you've got a weber barbecue or is that yeah, I do. yeah that was me 
you know, you just bank the coals at one side, put a bit of wood on there, you know, indirect cooking, put the, the air vent from the lid over the meat, you know, and the smoke will naturally draw over. You don't need to spend a couple of hundred pounds on even a, a Weber bullet. You know, you can do it through a standard kettle just by banking your coals to one side. Should we talk a little bit about uh, this coming season and some, some Bills football then? Um, over to you, Tim. Yeah, so really just to touch on it uh, at the end of this conversation. So we're not too far away from the Bills season, uh, just over a couple of months now. So it's uh, coming up quick. Um, so this Bills team, we talked about it right at the start. Um, you know, it's loaded. You know, we are the Super Bowl favourites, according to a lot of bookmakers out there. Um, we talk about this quite a lot, me and Charlie, on the pod, um, just talking, you know, based on the expectations and what we've got around us and, you know, the coaching staff and just the whole structure. Like, is this a Super Bowl or bust team? Like, I'm hearing more noise, actually, that, you know, there's quite a few fans out there that think like that. Like, Anthony, from your perspective, um, our, our view is that you can never be Super Bowl or bust because, you know, there's probably two teams, you know, one of them's got to win it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult, clearly. Like, it's always extremely challenging to win the Super Bowl. We've never done it. So, um, kind of where do you stand on it? Like, what are your expectations for this season? Well, and I think when you say Super Bowl or bust, right, that's, that's not a term that I use. But I think when you describe the expectations, maybe that's how some people would interpret it. And I say that meaning... It's a Super Bowl caliber roster. You can look at this team that was together in 2021, together in 2020, and said, yeah, that's a roster that could have won the Super Bowl. Now, I know people will say last year, like, oh, my God, 13 seconds. They definitely would have beaten the Bengals. Like, you know, you, you never can say you definitely would have done anything, right, in an AFC championship game without Tredavious White. But now you do look at it, and it's like, okay, this roster is better on paper than it was a year ago. And that part makes it scary. So it's like, you know, to say like, oh, anything short of a Super Bowl will be a disappointment. Like, well, sure. Like, that's that's what it is. I mean, as much fun as last season was, you know, you lose to the Chiefs in the playoffs. It's a disappointment. The year before, it ends in disappointment. <laughs> 2019 playoffs, losing to the, the Texans in a heartbreaking fashion. Of course, it's a disappointment. So, you know, not in a way of just like, oh, my God, the, the season was a waste or anything like that. You know, so when you say Super Bowl or bust, which I think is a term a lot of folks use, it's just it's meaning that in my mind, it means. Yeah, winning the Super Bowl is the expectation this year and for all of us. Right. That feels a lot different than anything we've known for a long period of time, which is a different feeling. It's nice, but the burden of expectation sometimes is uh is something very real and i think josh allen you know with him as our quarterback and he's going to be our quarterback for a number of years moving forward you know i think that gives us clearly it gives us a chance but that's always going to keep that expectation there knowing that we've got that superstar quarterback that rock star um you know controlling things on offense um you know i think that's something that is always going to be the expectation moving forward across the next uh, six or seven years that Josh Allen's under contract. So, um, but uh, yeah, so. But to me, Tim, I think that one of the biggest differences, this I think this defense is a lot better. I think that defensive line is a lot better. I think, you know, changing the tackle group, bringing in Von Miller, hopefully more athleticism at, at cornerback two, hopefully Trey White back. 
that's quite a big step up if you add all those pieces together. And of course, not everything works, but I mean, this this defense was legit anyway. And I think we've seen significant additions, which has got to give us some some massive hope. I think. All right, you Scott, what do you what do you think coming into this uh, 2022 season? I'm all in, you know, we are winning Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, you need to have that expectation. Uh, but hopefully, you know, we've built a team through the draft. McBean, McDermott and Bean. They've built a team that's going to have prolonged success. <clears throat> you know, it's not a case of this year is the only year. You know, we need to be progressing every year. Yes, and we are doing that. So, you know, if it's not this year, we've still got next year. You know, I'm not, I'm not totally down if we don't win it this year, but, you know, We'd all love to, let's be honest. A quick question, Anthony. What would you do if the Bills did go to the Super Bowl? Would you try to get a ticket? Would you watch it at home? I mean, it's obviously a lot of money for people. Uh, we see the ticket prices every year and think, wow, did people really spend this? But but obviously they do. What would you do if, if the Bills made it to the Super Bowl? It's funny. I was talking about this the other day. A, a close friend of mine works for a, a network. And last year he said, you know, I will be out there for the Super Bowl. He goes, if the bills are going, you come with me. You know, he'd be there for work. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's pretty incredible. And after the bills shellacked the Patriots um, in the divisional round or whatever the wild card weekend game was, you know, he texts me after the game and says, just book your flight to Los Angeles. I've got you. And I wrote him back. I said, if I book my flight for the Super Bowl now, Josh Allen is going to get hit by a bus tomorrow. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no way, no there's way, no way I will do that, right? So he's like, I totally get it. Just know that this is the case. And even if they were to go, part of me is like, I don't know if I could be in, call it like a corporate type of environment, right? Somebody's guest around other folks, like that don't really care about the game. You know, they're there for the pomp and circumstance. And I don't say that in any way of a negative, right? That would be me if I went to the Super Bowl any year that the Bills weren't playing. Um, I'm like, I don't know if I would be able to do it. I mean, even to the point where I've joked with the family, if they do make it to the Super Bowl, no party, no nothing. Like, I might be in a room by myself just pacing back and forth. <laughs> the kids, well, they tell me, like, that's what you do. You know, I'll stand, the TV's mounted above the fireplace. I just kind of stand off to the side like this with my arms folded and I'll walk back and forth and I'll have like little phrases. I yell, you know, a receiver catches the ball with some yardage in front of him, and I'll just, you know, be like, go, 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 go. And the kids will make fun of me after that doing it. So it's just like if they were in the Super Bowl, I don't know that I could really be around other people, let alone go. Maybe for this, you know, this first time, I say first time, like it's been forever since the bills have gone, but uh, it's something I wrestle with. And of course, if a friend invites you to go, you're not going to say, no, I can't, I can't attend because I'm psychotic during the games like that. I've toned down a lot. As I was <laughs> <laughs> the same debate. So I always think like, you know, could I actually be there? I mean, also there's this fear. I think we're all conditioned as Bills fans, especially those of us that are of a certain age that, the losing hurts so much. The worry being in a stadium, watching it in a corporate-ish environment and and losing would be so painful. I think I'd rather be with other Bills fans if I was around other people. And, and you know, Tim and I have talked about this. I, said, oh. I think if we really made it, I'd just fly to Buffalo and find a bar and and I'd be with Bills fans. I think that's that, that would be the best compromise <laughs> for me. But Scott, yeah. I mean, what, what about you? What would you do if the Bills made, made the Super Bowl? 
whatever the wife would allow me to do, I guess, is the, <laughs> the correct answer. You yeah. know, you'd love to go to a buffalo and, you know, I've got young kids, so I do have to kind of be semi-responsible. But, you know, if it's in England, I'll definitely be down at the, the buffalo meet in London or wherever it may be. Or, yeah, you know, the goal would be to go to buffalo and soak up the environment. But it's not always possible, unfortunately. Indeed. It's funny that Anthony mentioned about, you know, the things that we say when we watch the games on, on, on TV. And I feel like I'm going to be a lot more positive in that aspect this year because last year I felt like I spent most of my time uh, lambasting about uh, Vernon Butler being pancaked by the offensive <laughs> lineman. So he's gone now. So I don't have to, uh, I don't have to uh, say that anymore. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Great. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you ever so much for, for joining us on Bills from Afar. It's been a delight to hear a little bit more about buffalo food and some of the nuances of smoking meats and wings. And uh, yeah, this is uh, this has been great. So thank you ever so much. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. And hey, Anthony, if you're ever in London, please let us know. Um, we have uh, our Bills Backers Bar, which you're very welcome to join us anytime you happen to be passing through. Would be my pleasure. Fantastic. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Have thank a good Bye, guys. So thank you for joining uh, Bills from Afar with a special episode all about buffalo food and um, smoking. And it's great to have Scott and Anthony on the podcast. If you want to follow them, um, Anthony Marino, you'll know him from Buffalo Rumblings, but he's Anth Marino on Twitter. Or if you want more tips on cooking advice and barbecuing, Barge underscore Scott is uh, Scott's Twitter. I'm sure he'll be happy to help any member of Bill's Mafia out. Um, Yeah, look out for the next week and uh, more shows from Bill's from afar. Until next time, go Bill's. Go Bill's. (laughs) 